Hello, my name is Cleopatra Aque, and I will be having a conversation with Lorenzo Van Ness for the New York City Trans Oral History Project in collaboration with the New York Public Library's Community Oral History Project. This is an oral history project centered on the experiences of trans-identifying people. It is Friday, December 22nd, and this is being recorded at Lorenzo's apartment within Parkchester, New York, in the Bronx. So first, if you could tell me your name and your age, if you'd like. Sure, my name is Lorenzo, and I'm now 29 years old. Uh, yeah, it was your birthday, wasn't it, right? Yep, yesterday. Happy birthday. Uh, what are your gender pronouns? Uh, my pronouns are they and them. And how would you describe your gender? Oh, my gender is super cute. So again, when and where were you born? Um, I was born in 1988 in New York City, uh, probably somewhere in Manhattan. Uh, tell me about an early account encounter you had with a trans community. Oh, I mean, early encounters with the trans community. I feel like the first time I heard about like trans people was like on like Maury or whatever, but it wasn't like a positive encounter. It was just you know. One of those shows where it was just like, guess, is this person trans or not? And so that was probably one of the earliest ideas of trans people that I had. And when was the first time you heard the term trans or any other terms like uh, gender nonconforming, butch, ag, things like that? Um, probably still that, like probably still that, like the Maury or whatever, Maury Povic show. Um, I don't think I heard it before that. I mean, definitely not from like my family or anything like that. Um, cool. Well, why don't you tell me about your early life then? Uh, tell me about your childhood and your family background. Sure. Um, I was born in New York City. My parents are Dominican. Um, I was born in Washington or I lived in Washington Heights. I grew up in Washington Heights as a stereotypical Dominican in New York City. Um, I have two siblings, uh, two, an older brother and an older sister. Um, they are nine and a half and eight years older than me. Um, yeah. And my mom and my father worked at a hospital as kind of like a housekeeping janitorial staff. Um, yeah. And we lived in a one bedroom apartment, all five of us. Um, I slept in the bedroom with my parents, and my brother and sister slept in the living room in a bunk bed. Um, yeah. Um, and what were the circumstances of your life, like when you were um, kind of all squished together in that one apartment? Oh. I mean, it was uh, hard, I think, to be like all in like a one bedroom, but I didn't really know anything else. And I mean, well, I guess I did know some other stuff because I had some other, I had lots of other friends who strangely i don't know like they had like two bedrooms or three bedrooms even though they didn't have working parents mm -hmm. um a lot of people were like on disability or like on other stuff and i was like how the fuck <laughs> how the fuck but um but it worked out i mean it's fine um yeah so i don't know we but but i mean parents my parents were just also really big savers so um even though nobody had their own room um, we got to, like, go over to the American Republic many times, like, almost every year for a while, um, which is really difficult for financially in general. Like, I don't know how the hell they pulled it off. Like, I have no idea. 
um, although things were much less expensive back then. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. And they were able to like buy property in the homeland and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. It was complicated. Like we didn't necessarily have a lot, but we did have a lot at the same time. Um, we we spent our money very uh, strategically, so it was good. Um, when you were a kid, did you know what your class background was compared to now as an adult? Um, I always thought of myself as like upper lower class, like high low poor. Because mm. I was just like, you know, I mean, like it's not like we're we don't have fancy things, but we we have everything we need, and like we have we have like other stuff, and like and we could go like to make Republic, and we have a house there, so I heard saved up for it, and you know, I was like so. It's not like, we're not, like, rich, and we're not really, like, middle class, because, you know, on the TV, it's like, oh, yeah, you have, like, a house with, like, two cars and, like, whatever, and dog. So it definitely wasn't middle class, but I was like, yeah, we're, like, upper, we're, like, almost middle class, like, like, lower, I mean, upper something, lower class. <laughs> did religious, um, did religion play a part in your life when you were growing up? Uh, yeah, I think, well, my brother and sister were part of the choir, in church, we went to St. Elizabeth Church on 187th Street and uh, Audubon. I don't actually remember what that street is. Anyways, um, yeah, what is that street? Anyways, it doesn't matter. Uh, but we went uh, to that church. My brother and sister were part of the choir there, and I would go and rehearse with them sometimes and like listen to them rehearse and stuff. Uh, my parents weren't really that spiritual until my mother's mother passed away, and then then all of a sudden she was like in church every week and everything and you know fear of mortality and all that good stuff um yeah but i uh i didn't i wasn't baptized when i was born um unlike my brother and sister i was baptized when i was in eighth grade um so i had to go to like catechism class i got baptism and my first communion all in one it was like a package deal um <laughs> which is like funny but um, I had to go to classes with like a bunch of other people that were not really my age. I was one of the younger people in that group, actually. I was one of the youngest folks in the group. A lot of the people were like much older, like in their teens, or like they were. Um, one person was like at least like twenty something. But we all went to like Saturday class, and we studied like things about God and Jesus. And I was like, yeah, I'm gonna do my homework. And I always did my homework, even though like nobody else did their homework whatever and like homework yeah homework um and it was interesting to like read about the bible and whatever and like do like little silly activities that are like kid for kids um that were even like too young for me i think like i don't know why these workbooks were whatever but we were like the adult group they just loop, loop looped everyone that was like above like 10 they just like looped into one adult catechism class um yeah, and totally for a while, I definitely thought I was Jesus, because I was like, I am so sad, and God will clearly appear and be like, you are my child, and you are special, and I was like, yeah, that's going to happen when I get baptized, and then it didn't happen, I was upset, um, but I was like, whatever, I guess I'm just sad, <laughs> um, so then that was hard, but, uh, but yeah, religion is complicated, we're Catholic, um, but like, you know, like most Catholics, not super practicing. Um, do you identify as Catholic right now? Um, 
I don't know if I identify as Catholic. Um, I identify as having grown up Catholic, but I don't know. I don't necessarily believe in all the things, all the tenets of like Catholicism. Um, I believe in a lot of different things, and I don't necessarily believe in like Jesus was our Savior, Lord and Savior, and all that good stuff. I'm like whatever, he was probably a dude, most likely, and he was like probably cool and shit. Mm. Um, I mean, he probably had a lot of good stuff to say if he actually existed. Mm. Um, and also he was black, <laughs> but anyway, um, I don't know, but I also believe in like universe and energy and, uh, spiritual energy and, um, just lots of other stuff that aren't necessarily related to Catholicism. And I totally believe in like some like wicked stuff, and, uh, you know, the earth and energy and all that good stuff. And so I don't know. It's a, I think I'm a mix of things right now. Um, so going back to your family, it sounds like you have um, a mom and a dad and two siblings, a brother and a sister. Yep. Um, and what's your relationship like with them? Well, I'm not super close with most of them or really any of them, but I, you know, as I got older, as I've gotten older, I've definitely gotten closer and closer to them. I don't know what that's about. I guess, yeah, something, but, um... Yeah, I don't know. I would say that it's like a distant, loving relationship for most of them. My dad, I don't talk to at all because um, he's just a person that I don't respect very much, actually. And a person that doesn't respect me very much either. So, you know, I've learned to, like, live without him. And that's fine. Uh, my mom, I love her a lot. She's a weirdo. I love her still. Um, she's a little distant. Not really great at communicating her feelings, but, you know, whatever. She does what she can do. And she loves me a lot in her own way, so it's very nice. Um, and then my brother and sister, yeah, I love them too. We all have our things. Like, we're, A, we're all stubborn, and we're all kind of douchey in our own way, but um, but whatever. We, we love each other for the most part, so we're, we try to be there for each other. And then, like, around trans stuff, they, um, my mother and my brother and sister, for the most part, like, have things down, like, in terms of, like, my pronouns. I mean, but it's been, like, more than seven years since I came out to them, so I fucking hope they will. Um, although I definitely can tell that sometimes they call, they talk about me behind my back with my birth name. Mm. Um, so that... But, uh, yeah, my dad doesn't quite get it yet. I mean, I mean, I haven't talked to him in years, so I don't know if he, he like, texted me this year for the first time for my birthday and was, and like, used my actual name. So I was like, oh, I didn't really write back, but I just wrote back, like, thanks. Um, but, yeah, I mean, so I don't have, like, a super close relationship with folks, but I have some relationship with them, and it's, it's nice. I like it. I like that pseudo-distant relationship because that way I don't have to, like, you know, family sometimes just gets overwhelming. Mm. <laughs> and I'd rather enjoy the good times than spend too much time with them and then hate them forever. Mm. <laughs> um, so who have been the most important people in your life? Ooh, most important people in my life. That's a hard one. I think, um, I think some of the most important people in my life, uh, probably a lot of teachers... People who I've seen as, like, 
teachers and mentors, even though I never had, like, a formal mentorship or anything, but, like, mostly a lot of women of color um, who were just super cool and have, like, helped me learn more about myself and more about the world and some queer folks that may not be uh, people of color, but that's fine. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. Just random people. <laughs> also, obviously, like, you know, Freddie Mercury and, like, Celia Cruz. Of course. And, like, Selena. They've been very important in my life. And who would I be without them? Mm. Don't know. So, what communities are you a part of now? Um, in comparison to the past? Um, communities I'm a part of. So, I mean, I've been a part of lots of different communities. Right now, I guess I'm in... Well, I'm still in the queer and trans people of color community. I'm in the kind of social justice community. I'm in, um, I mean, I'm getting in that kind of like older folk, like middle, like not middle age, but like slightly older community because I'm not like hanging out with like 19 year olds anymore. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, yeah, just that. I don't know, lots of d- different random groups of people because I still like hang out with some people from like college and I still hang out with other different communities, but I don't know. Um, do you have any particular like political homes or? So, yeah, um, in terms of uh, other communities that I was a part of, um, I don't know if it's necessary. I guess it, I did get politicized in some ways. Um, in uh, college, I was part of a group called the Queer Student Union, um, and it was more like a family than really like anything. Yeah. Um, but it was probably like 10 or 15 of us, and we were just like super tight for a long time. And I mean, in my senior year, I kind of strayed because I was also part of student government, and I was just like more involved. I just wanted to be more active in like community work and social justice work than some folks wanted to be involved in. I mean, people, I know people were busy with school and people were busy with their lives, but a lot of it was about like socializing and stuff. And like, I really wanted to talk to people about what their rights are and how to like get like social services and stuff like that and like have access to different resources and stuff. And that wasn't necessarily what everyone wanted to do. So I kind of was on my own senior year, but before that, like we literally spent like, probably a third of the day together every day for like three years. Um, And I had Thanksgiving dinners with them and Christmases and New Year's and parties and Thirsty Thursdays and just lots of random, I had like my first kiss there and like Mm. all these random different things. Um, So it was a really nice family and community. I mean, there's also a lot of drama around there, but I mean, that's, I guess, any family. Wouldn't be a family without trauma. So, yeah. So how did you first learn about or encounter other trans people? Oh, it would definitely be in college. Um, Well, I mean, I think I learned about trans people before college, for sure, because I remember in high school I was in therapy, and I, my therapist and I would, like, we definitely knew about trans people, and we were, like, we would talk about it, she was this big, like, old lesbian, and uh, she was pretty, like, transmasculine, but didn't identify that way, I think. 
And we would, like, sometimes talk, like, in a derogatory way about trans people. We'd be like, oh, those crazy people who want to, like, change their bodies. That's crazy. And um, so it's, like, kind of ironic and funny. But anyways, they, um, yeah, I, uh, in college, I finally, I first met, I, I started meeting trans people um, at school. And I didn't realize it until my freshman year at the Spring Fling, um, so like 2007, uh, there was, we had a Spring Fling, and it was like a drag Spring Fling, which we had every year, and I was, it was my first time dressing in drag, really. I mean, I was always a tomboy, but, um, it was my first time dressing intentionally in, tra- in drag, and I, like, you know, bound my chest with, like, ace bandages, and, like, stole my brother's clothes and whatever, and then I was at the party, and I was just like, oh, God, my chest, it hurts so bad. Oh, why, why isn't it awful? And this boy came up to me, and he was like, yeah, that's why I just chopped him off. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? And then I was like, whoa, he's trans. It's crazy. And he was like, what? I never knew all this time. And so that was, like, the first time I knew that I met a trans person. Um, and that was, like, and weird and I was just like what this is a real thing that people do and like they're just regular people like whatever and uh, yeah and then I met some other folks that were like gender conforming and other folks and I you know was taking like classes I took like one class that was like homosexuality and religion and we talked a lot about gender and, and like gender roles and stuff so that was so I was kind of I was thinking more about gender roles and opening my mind more to different ideas about gender, so it was really cool. Um, and, you know, a combination of that and, like, meeting trans folks and talking to people about gender really got me to, like, understand trans people a lot more and not be a douche. Because I was definitely a douche before. Mm. Um, yeah. What was it like getting more involved in trans communities? Like, what did you get out of it? What did you enjoy? Any struggles you had? Well, um, I think, what did I get out of being in a trans community? I think um, I just got a lot of friends, a lot of friendships, a lot of love, a lot of acceptance of who I was, because, you know, even before I identified as trans, like, I was a tomboy, and it was just, like, it was okay to be a tomboy, because that's fine, and I didn't have to be anything more or anything less, and I think it took a while for me to understand that I was trans and to accept that I was trans, because I was really hard on myself for it. And I had a little bit of, like, you know, whatever third-wave feminism bullshit happening, feminazi bullshit um, in my head, where I was just like, I can't, if I am trans, I am insulting all womanhood. And, you know, like, through my friendships and through all the love in the community, like, I was able to, like, finally accept myself and be like, you know what, if this is what I need, this is what I need. I don't, it doesn't mean I'm, like, betraying womanhood. Like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm fine um and i was like yeah i don't know i mean even though i had a lot of friends that were trans identifying it was hard for me to accept that i was trans and then on top of that it was hard for me to accept that i wanted to do any like uh uh, gender affirming treatment stuff so like taking hormones was like really hard for me to decide Mm. that took a long long time um yeah yeah but um Yeah, just a better understanding of myself, I think. How do you think trans communities have changed over the years? I would also like to hear how you think feminazis play a role in that as well. 
<laughs> I think, well, I think trans communities have changed over the years. Well, I mean, obviously there's more awareness now of, like, trans issues and transness in general. So, like, you know, now, like, young people are like, yeah, I'm trans, and they're, like, five years old. And you're like, oh, shit, what the fuck? And when I was five years old, I was like, what is dyke? Yeah. <laughs> What's a dyke, mommy? Mm. Is, that a, is that a thing that holds water back? You know, things like that. Mm. Um, <laughs> so it's just like, and I mean, I'm not that old, but like things have drastically changed in the last like 10, 15 years where like, mm. it's just like an explosion of media and, and acknowledgement of trans people. Um, and like more language around it and more conversations around it. So it's just been really extreme. But um, I think the impact of like really messed up, like the, what is it, TERFs? Um, what does TERF stand for? Uh, what is it? Something, something, something. I don't trans exclusionary. Say it. Uh, TERF meaning trans exclusionary um, radical feminists. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, um, those people. Um, I mean, I think they existed before and they were against trans people and they still exist now and they're still against trans people. So, I don't know. I mean, they they give us something to fight against together. So, <laughs> I don't know if uh, otherwise like what their impact has been on the trans community. But Sorry, glass half full perspective of it, I guess. Yeah. Um, I don't think they've like held us back necessarily. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, uh, not specifically, because it's not just TERFs who have really impacted trans people. It's, like, all cis people who are problematic, and even trans people who are problematic have mm-hmm. held back trans people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, we all have had an impact on the trans community. And so, yeah, I don't like that. Um, so how do you see yourself in this moment of increased trans visibility? Um, I think I see myself as someone who is super out and always talks about being trans, and uh, I try to be super, super visible. Um, I see myself as someone who has a responsibility to talk about people because of my privilege in terms of, like, I am often perceived as a male even though I don't identify that way. But that gives me a lot of privilege and, like, safety, unfortunately, because of the horrible patriarchy or whatever, anyway. But, um, you know, I think uh, I definitely, from that place of safety, I can definitely make an impact, not only with, like, talking to cis people about trans things, but also talking to, like, trans people and talking to men about things and just, like trying to make an impact with people and being like, hey, you should probably figure your things out and let's talk about this mm-hmm. sexism or let's yeah. talk about this transphobia. Um, and, like, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. And so that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, changing the topic completely, who do you party with? Who do I party with? Uh, I don't really party with a lot at all, so... But did you used to party a lot more? I used to party so much. Oh, man. When I was, like, in my early 20s, it was, like, even when I I, I was a teenager and in my early 20s, those were great times. Like, I mean, before I used to sneak into bars all the time. I never drank until college. But then as soon as I got into college, everyone was like, let's sneak into a bar. Let's sneak into a bar. So I was like, oh, shit. I got, like, a fake ID. I had this ID 
that was like ridiculous and it was like some South Asian woman with long hair it did not look anything like me but the gay bars did not care they would mm. just like look at the ID and be like right mm-hmm. I guess you have an ID go in and I was like sweet win um <laughs> And then eventually I got these other fake IDs that actually had my pictures on it. Um, but then it was at that time it was when I was transitioning more physically and like I had like just cut my hair and stuff. So then I didn't really look at like the picture. So it was sometimes hard to get into bars um, because they didn't think it was me. Um, yeah. So that was complicated. But um, yeah, I used to party. I used to go to bars by myself and just like, I used to go to parties by myself. I used to go to like parties like Rebel Cupcake. Um, I used to go to Choice Cunts. Sweat. I used to go. No, I never went to Sweat. I went to Sweat once. Um, I used to go to what else? I don't know. Lots of random things. Um, I guess I went a few times to like Hot Rabbit, which is still around. Um, but yeah, I used to go to those random parties um, back in the day when everything was like in Williamsburg. Mm. Um, 2006-2007 yeah everything every party was like in Williamsburg or like downtown Manhattan and now things are a little bit more scattered a little but yeah I don't know it's just more complicated I guess I don't really go to parties because I I go to parties now and I'm like oh great I don't know anyone and I don't really want to know anybody because I don't like anyone before I was just like yeah I want to meet new people and make new friends and I would I would go and I would just like meet people and talk to them and like whatever and and I would get a drink and I'd be like hey what's your name my name's Lorenzo and they'd be like what's what did you do but um, now I I go to a party and I don't talk to one human and Mm. I leave 20 minutes later and then that's it and what is that attributed to I mean I guess I'm more I'm a little bit more antisocial now. I'm a little bit less tolerant of people's bullshit now. Hmm. Um, I just, you know, I'm like, oh, you just said something kind of racist. I don't really need to be around you. I'm good. Um, Gotta go. Bye. Um, Before, you know, it was just like, oh, well, I just want to meet people. I don't really know everybody. And now I'm just like, I don't need to meet people. I've met a lot of people. (laughs) Like, I'm good. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um, I'd rather have quality over quantity, and, yeah, I don't know. Um, so it sounds like you've been in a lot of, like, maybe multi-gendered spaces, spaces with a focus or a center on, like, lesbian, gay, uh, bisexual, transgender, when it's really lesbian, gay, bisexual. <laughs> um, do you identify with any of those LGB communities, and if so, what's it been like being trans in those spaces? Well, I think a lot of the time um, in the past, I mean, even when I, like, I identified as a lesbian, um, and I mostly hung out in, like, lesbian spaces. I didn't really hang out in, like, spaces with, like, gay men or trans women. Um, Because that's just how our community is, like, divided, unfortunately. There's not really a lot of places that are, like, multi-gender. There's mostly places that are, like, lesbian and trans-masculine and Places that are like gay man and trans feminine, or like sometimes there's like gay man and trans masculine, but not really all the time. But um, yeah. So I mostly hung out in like spaces that were like lesbian centered, woman centered, 
Um, it was really, it, like, at first it was fine when I was just, like, a tomboy, and everyone was like, oh, you, yeah, you're a tomboy, let's do it. Although everyone, of course, always expected, like, things, people expect things of, like, masculine presenting people. They expect you to be, like, aggressive or be, like, the first person to make a move or, like, you know, be, like, the boy in the relationship and, like, pay for the meal. And you're like, ha, 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 no. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> no. Um, and so, you know, that. But um, afterward, when I started, like, being read more as masculine or as a boy, um, people really had an issue with me sometimes in, like, resident spaces. Like, I, there was one time I, would, I wasn't allowed to go into a bar because they were like, oh, this is an, a women's party, like, you sure you want to go in there? And I was like, yeah, my friend is in there. I just want to say hello to them. And they were like, oh, well, I don't know if you want to go in there. And I'm like, uh, I do. <laughs> and they just kept being like, ah, you know, it's, it's an all-woman party. It's probably not a place for you. And I'm like, uh, I don't know what to say here. Um, mm. So that, and like, I've definitely had arguments with people about being trans and people being like, oh, you're a woman. Why are you pretending to be a man? Things like that. And, you know, so it was a little challenging, but, um, but whatever. I mean, I think that's also part of the reason that I, like, have shied away from spaces. They're not super trans-friendly unless they're intentionally trans. And there's not really, like, intentionally trans parties. That's why, you know, uh, there used to be, like, uh, original plumbing parties. Those were great, I remember. Um, but then also those parties are predominantly white, so then it's complicated. There's not, like, really, like, trans-masculine parties or trans-masculine people of color parties or trans people of color parties at all. Um, yeah, people... And then people also often just think of, like, binary genders, so if you they read you as a boy, then they're just like, oh, you're a boy, or you're a straight boy or a gay boy, the end. Um, and that's it. And so... I don't remember what the question was anymore, but all of these things. Thank you. No, that definitely answered the oh, question. Oh, but I still identify as a dyke. Mm. I don't know. I just do. Um, that leads into the next question of what aspects of your identity are most important to you and what has shaped your sense of who you are? Well, I think um, I, my aspects of my identity that are most important to me are definitely my, my Dominicanness, my queerness, my... Um, assigned female at birthness, um, my prettiness, um, my friendliness, my sagicornness, you know, different, a bunch of different things. Um, yeah, and then just like my, my like mathematical brain, and my logical brain, my logical reasoning brain. Those things are kind of most important to me. And I feel like they've shaped who I was because, I don't know, it's just, I, it's just like the way I work. Like, I'm a Sagittarius, I always ask a lot of questions, I want to understand things, I'm also logical in reasoning, so I'm like, what you just said does not equal, you just like, you know, does not equal itself. Like, I don't understand, can you explain this better or different um, and so I can understand it from a different perspective and like, you know. When people are saying, like, X equals Y, I'm like, wait, what? What do you say? I don't understand. I don't understand. Mm -hmm. We need to continue to have this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how does being trans, um, or more particularly non-binary and non-confirming, relate to the other aspects of your identity? Um, well, I mean, I'm never 
not trans. So, I don't know, being like trans and Latino and being trans masculine, being Dominican, being queer. Mm. <laughs> um, I guess they just, they, they, they just are. I mean, it's all that I am. So, they do, they relate to themselves, each other because they're all parts of me. Mm. And, um, I think being trans and Latino also in particular has like made me um, really uh, passionate about helping a lot of like trans Latinx um, folks who don't have the privilege of having been born here in the United States or you know don't have the privilege of like being uh, citizens or residents or whatever having that kind of privilege, but. Um, yeah, so I've and I've been really excited about using my Spanish language skills to help people and to serve people and to provide resources for people and stuff and to open up different resources to people. Uh, how's your understanding of your? Oh, sorry, excuse me. Oh, I did that. How do you understand your gender? Um, I don't know, just queer and cute. And that's about it. It's complicated, it's boyish, it's girlish, it's pretty, it's frilly, but not too frilly sometimes. Um, very elegant. I'm an elegant dame, if I may say so myself. Um, but I'm also like a cute little boy uh, with an eye. And uh, all that stuff. So I do identify as a cub. Uh, just because I'm like big and hairy. Oh, totally. I totally identify as bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do, but like as like a feminist bro. <laughs> like, I don't play that shit. Um, yeah. I always wanted to make a, a comic strip called Feminist Frat Boys. And they would be like, yeah. yeah, let's go to the bar, man. And they'd be like, yeah, let's go patronize this shit. And they'd be like, why? Why we gotta patronize it? Why can't we matronize that shit? You know what I'm talking about? Okay. And it'd be like a lot, but it'd be cute. No, don't you also identify as Afro Latinx? Oh, a little bit. I identify a little bit as Afro Latinx. Um, I just don't know much about my roots anyway, so mm. I never will. How has New York City changed in the years that you've lived here? Uh, well, I mean, it's become more of a glamorous kind of chic place to live. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of wealth has moved here. A lot of poverty has moved to the outskirts and is just here, but it's just complicated. Like, there's so many... I don't know if there's more or less, like, homeless people than there used to be. I just know that people are struggling a lot um, and that just prices keep going up and up and up and it's just crazy like it's crazy that you know some like bajillionaire will come to New York and buy like an apartment in the upper whatever side or the lower whatever side for like a million two million three million dollars but you know people are trying to pay rent like seven hundred dollars rent and they can't afford that shit um, so yeah um I don't know, I'm not sure questions. I skipped it in my original. Sorry. Um, 
What do you do to cope with folks who may not understand your gender? Um, depends. It depends on the moment. Um, sometimes I just walk away and I'm like, whatever, I don't care about you. Um, other times I try to speak up and be like, hey, that's not my pronoun or, you know, whatever. Or that's, I'm not a man or whatever. It really depends. Um, I also just try to find people to... That are, with, that, that are good allies, like, you know, would, like, stand up for me, or, like, whatever. Mm. Uh, what's your favorite thing about New York City? Ooh, I love New York City more than anything, I think. But um, my favorite thing about New York City is um, just that we never, like, you could just go out at, like, 2 o'clock in the morning and be like, yeah, yeah, you know, I want to get a haircut. And you could go somewhere and get a fucking haircut at 2 o'clock in the morning. Like, that's how that could happen. Like, you'd be like, oh, man, I really want some uh, jelly beans. It's 4 a.m. And there will be some pharmacy, some Walgreens somewhere open with the, some jelly beans that you could just go get at, grab. And that's amazing. Like, I love 24-hour shit. Like, I mean, I loved it a lot more in college. Nowadays, I'm not really awake at that time. Mm-hmm. But I like the idea that I could wake up in the middle of the night and be like, <gasps> potato chips. And, like, find a bodega and, like, mm-hmm. just go. Um, what's the hardest thing about living in New York City? The hardest thing about living in New York City, I don't know. I think sometimes for me, it's just that everybody want to claim us. Everybody just want to claim it. Everybody's like, oh yeah, New York City based. Like, fuck you. <laughs> what the, what? Like, nah. You t- like, why? Just go back. And I feel bad being like, go back to Minnesota. But like, I just don't know. Everybody... I think the hardest part about it is that people who live here, people who grew up here are struggling and they like want to leave. And the people who come here are like so excited about all these things that they've, they've brought pretty much or that have come because of the people who are coming. And like, I don't know. So it's just, it's just hard. It's hard to keep up with everything. It's hard to not, hate all the people that move in and it's hard also because some people really do want to make a home and some people have been here for like 10 years and I'm like all right you can stay whatever but like other people will move here for like one or two years and then they'll move out and then you know they don't acknowledge the impact they're having in terms of like you raise the rent for someone who could be living in your apartment or like you know you you didn't buy at the bodega you bought at the stupid whole Foods. so mm-hmm. now that bodega closed um so like i don't know that's just hard mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what's it like being trans in new york city and how does it compare to other places that you've traveled to or visited well i haven't really stayed at a lot of other places i've like traveled on vacation to other places but i really haven't lived anywhere else so that's a hard question to answer but I think in New York City, I mean, there's obviously a huge trans community, so it's better than other places, and there's a lot of resources here. Uh, but it's still hard. I think people still don't understand. People still think they understand, and are just like, yeah, I totally understand transness. That's what he said. And I'm like, no, I don't use he. <laughs> you just did it wrong. You just did it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> What particular spaces and places in New York City have been most important to you 
And have there been any that you've created um, that are also important to other people? Uh, places and spaces. Well, I mean, ALP, yes, has always been important to me. Um, as a community organizing center, I think um, places and spaces. Um, I think like Ginger's is always nice. Bar. Always had a lot of potential. Nowhere bar. I love nowhere bar. So good. So much potential. And um, the spaces that I've created and stuff, like back in the day, a friend and I created a cutie pop writing circle, which was really nice. Say that again. Uh, we created a cutie pop writing circle. Yeah, because we were yawning. Um, a cutie pop writing circle, and that was really great. And that went on for like a year or more. Um, so that was a good time. I think that was like a really important space that people really needed at the time, and still might need. Um, but I don't know. Hopefully, they're getting their kicks somewhere else. Um, and then right now, I have going um, Scratch, which is a monthly uh, meeting for trans masculine people of color. Um, at Nowhere Bar on the third Sunday, and uh, yeah, you know, I just thought it would be nice to have a space for like trans masculine people to get together and particularly trans masculine people of color. Um, A, because there's not really lots of spaces for us. B, because sometimes we be failing, friends. Like, we just be failing. And we need to, like, talk to each other and be like, hey, friend, what you said was just really not okay. And, like, we need to be friends, and we need to, like, figure out a different way to be. Mm -hmm. And that's cool. Are there aspects of trans community in New York City, past or present, that you would especially want remembered? Uh, I mean, ideally, I guess I would want everything remembered, although that's not possible, but, um, I mean, you know, I think remembering, like, Sylvia Rivera, and, um, just all the people. Mm. What are the biggest challenges you faced around being trans? Sorry, the biggest what challenges? Wait, yeah, what are the biggest challenges you faced around being trans? Um, I, I just think people who don't understand. And, um, well, I mean, the first, I think it was me accepting myself. That was one of the biggest challenge, challenges. And then after that, I think uh, just people not seeing me for who I am. Um, just seeing me for my beard or for my uh, high-pitched voice before I took tea. Or, you know, things like that. What? Hmm. How do you think trans issues slash politics have changed over the years? Um, I think it feels like it's gotten more complex. Just, I don't know, maybe that's just me. But um, in terms of, like, there's just so much that we need to do. And there's just so many different ideas of how to do it. And there's just, I don't know. I think it's hard to agree sometimes. And it's hard to like live and let live sometimes, right? Like you can't just be like, oh, well, you have a different idea of what trans liberation looks like. And you think that doing X, Y, and Z is going to do it. But I think, you know, doing A, B, and C is going to do it. 
And we can't just be like, oh, well, you go do your thing and I'm going to go do my thing. And hopefully, you know, both of them together will work or, or separate will work, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think people are just like, nah, you are doing the wrong thing. I know the right thing. And I'm like, okay, folks, there's no right answer. Because if there was a right answer, we would have trans liberation. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and we would have social justice and racism would have ended and all these things. But there's really no one right answer to anything. So we need to find a, di- a bunch of different ways to make subtle changes to change society. And, you know... It's not about changing laws, it's, it's, and it's not, it's not only about changing laws, and it's not only about changing hearts and minds. You know, it's about doing both and changing culture and shifting, you know, the paradigm in general. So it's like a lot of things. Yeah, but I don't know. Uh, it just seems, I think maybe just because I've been more and more immersed in it, maybe that's why it seems more complicated over the years. Um, but, I mean, definitely there's more resources than there used to be. Um, People are more aware of stuff, so that's important. Uh, yeah. So uh, earlier you were talking about um, just socioeconomic challenges that New Yorkers are facing um, and how you face them when you're a kid. Uh, how do you make ends meet now, and what kinds of employment have you had access to? Oh, so right now I work at the Commission on Human Rights. I am an intake coordinator, um, and basically I help. Uh, figure out uh, different stuff around intake. Uh, I used to do, well, I mean, I, I kind of process lots of the emails that come into our ABC and kind of look over some of the data around, like, uh, what kinds of cases we get and stuff, and then help assign different cases to get called back and, you know, random just troubleshooting stuff and trying to support the uh, director of the InfoLine, um, which is the intake unit, really. Um, but um, before that, I was doing, uh, I was an associate human rights specialist, which meant that I was doing a lot of know your rights trainings for the Commission on Human Rights. Um, yeah, I'm just doing kind of like community organizing work for them. Um, before that, I worked as a paralegal um, at the New York Legal Assistance Group. Um, first, I worked there as the intake uh, paralegal, where I... Um, Obviously, did intake, but I also did cases around public assistance and food stamps. And then I did, uh, I worked there as the LGBTQ Law Project paralegal, where I um, did a lot of like name changes. I did a lot of uh, advanced directives, or uh, yeah, sorry, not advanced directives, uh, something directives. What is it? I don't remember. No, yeah, it's advanced directives. Anyways, um, stuff like that. I don't know. And then before that, I did, like, tenant organizing at an agency, uh, the Fifth Avenue Committee. I also was a tutor for a while. I couldn't find a job. Um, I was a consultant at AOP for a minute, for, like, three months or whatever. Um, I don't know. I've had access to a random, lots of, like, office jobs. Um, Have you ever been discriminated against at your job or school? either because of gender or aspects of your identity? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, people have said things here and there, like, in every job that I've been at. Um, there's problematic people everywhere. So, you know, people 
I mean, aside from like not getting my pronouns right um, because I don't go by he or she, that's happened a lot. Um, I think people have said things to me like I remember when I first started working, somebody was like, "Oh, it's nice not to be the only woman in the office with a tie." And I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't identify as a woman. Thanks, though. <laughs> you know, they were like, oh, whoops. And I was like, yeah, whoops. <laughs> and, um, you know, just random things, in, like internships and stuff, people being like, oh, well, why don't you use your real name? Or, like, you know, things like that. Um, that was before I changed my name legally. Um, other stuff. I don't know. People have said weird things. Um, uh, what are your everyday safety concerns? Uh, I mean, I don't generally have a lot of safety concerns every day. I think just recently I've been having like safety concerns because I am currently like a little injured and I have my ankle brace and I'm like, oh, if somebody wanted to beat me up, I could totally not like do anything about it. Like, I would just get my shit beat up. And like, I couldn't run after them, I couldn't, like, I mean, I could try to fight back, but, like, I wouldn't really be able to do that well. So, um, so that's not related necessarily to my transness. I mean, sometimes when I dress femme, I do worry. I mean, I, I worry. I do worry. And I, that actually, that does prevent me from dressing femme as often as I would like to. Also, it's just a lot of work. But... Um, you know, when I wear, like, lipstick and people, like, stare at me or say whatever or call me a faggot or, like, whatever, um, you know, that worries me. Um, but, so, you know, I don't do it as often as I would like to. Have any of those, um, safety concerns ever involved police or law enforcement? Uh, not really, because I'm very light-skinned, I've had a lot of privilege, I don't think I've ever been harassed by the police, really. I mean, I was once, like, stopped when I was in high school because they thought that I wasn't in high school because I used my, like, high school metric card. And they were like, you're too tall to be in high school. And I was like, why are you, why don't you go do your job? And, like, bother someone else. Mm-hmm. Like, someone doing something, anything. Like, really? Come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were like, so is your student ID. I was like, really? This is bullshit, but okay. Here you go. And they were like, oh, whoops, oh, you must be, you're really tall. You must play basketball. I was like, oh, thanks. It was a waste of everyone's time. Do you want to continue having this conversation? Except, of course, I was like, oh, thank you, thank you, sir. Thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Same thing in my head. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel that you had to choose between expressing your gender identity and economic security or safety? Uh, yeah, I mean, for sure. I think... Um, when I first started working, I um, cut my hair so that I would look more employable. I've done that actually like two or three times, um, to be real. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, but usually like my employers, like after the fact, I'll be like, haha, sucker, I'm gonna grow a purple mohawk. <laughs> um, you can't fire me now. <laughs> but usually in order to get in the door sometimes I would do that and like it's not like I've gone to like a job interview in like a dress um, I would be really self-conscious to do that um, and 
you know, I feel like always there's like that period in the beginning of the job where I have to dress professionally and masculinely so that people will respect me. Um, and then I can ease into like dressing in other ways that I want to dress. I know you wanted to buy property. Um, did anything come up for you um, with your gender in trying to access that type of like level of socioeconomic access? Um, well, definitely. Well, I mean, for buying property, um, not too many things came up with for me. I think um, definitely my birth name pops up all the time. So people are like, oh, who's this? And I was like, yeah. That's my first name. Don't know how you got it. Totes me, though. And they were like, oh, whoops. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then when I was, like, doing, like, my interview for my, like, co-op board, they were like, oh, we did a credit check, and this name came up. And I was, they, they were like, it must be some weird mistake. And I was like, yeah, nope. It's me. I'm a big trans person. Tranny. Look at me. Um, but, yeah. Uh, so that... I mean, so it came up, and I was afraid that I wouldn't, like, get approved or whatever because of my gender identity. But luckily, I don't think it had an impact. Um, and, I mean, of course, probably part of it is because I conformed to, like, the idea of, like, what a man is to them. And I didn't, like, correct them when they used the wrong gender pronoun because I just wanted to get in the door. Um, yeah. But I think it's definitely had more of an impact when I was, like, looking for apartments and renting. Um... Yeah, I remember I've been to, like, like the, first of all, the credit check thing is annoying um, every time somebody does a credit check. My birth name comes up. Um, also, like, you know, just, like, looking for apartments. I remember once I went to an apartment, and I had, like, nail polish on, and this lady was showing me the apartment with, like, her kids, and her kids were, like, like ran up to their mom, and they were saying, like, mad loud. They were just like, mommy, he's a girl. He's a girl. He has nail polish on. He's a girl. And I'm like, okie doke. Like, talk to your children. And she, like, didn't say anything to them. She was just, like, laughing. And I was like, oh, no, it's not funny. Um, so, you know, like, random things come up sometimes. But, um, again, you know, I'm very privileged to, to look like a boy, I guess. What people think a boy is. Um, except for the nail polish. And sometimes lipstick and sometimes dresses. But, you know, depends on the day. Do you have any experiences with mental health? Um, yes, I have a lot of experience with mental health stuff. Um, yeah, I guess I've suffered from like depression and anxiety for like ever, and I've been on like medication on and off throughout life. Uh, I've been to the psych ward a few times, about three times throughout my youth and adulthood. Um, yeah, I don't know. Pretty much it. What have been some important sources of support for you over the years? Um, sources of support. I think uh, mostly my friendships with folks. Um, my best friend Maria has been a big source of support for me. Um, I mean, to some extent, my family, I guess, has been a little bit of support in different ways. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Tell me a time when you've felt seen. 
I mean, just generally when anyone uses my pronoun, right? Like pretty much all the time. If you wanted people to hear one thing from you, what would it be? One thing from me? Um, just, I don't know. Everyone just needs to like love each other and chill out. That's pretty much it. If you wanted to be remembered for one thing, what would it be? Um, for being hilarious. Um, and for being super hot. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Mostly the hilarious thing. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add? Um, no, I guess it's pretty much most of the stuff about me. I mean, I think I am a pretty simple person, but complicated at the same time. And I have a lot of things that I learned early years and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just think that folks should just work together to figure things out. Things are hard all the time, and mm -hmm. we can do it. Um, uh, or at least I hope I do. We can. All right. Well, thank you so much, Lorenzo Van Ness. Um, you sound like you've been a really strong and important staple for the queer, trans, people of color community um, within organizing spaces and in general for New Yorkers. And I just want to thank you one more time for your time. And um, I'll see you soon. Okay. Thank you for interviewing me. No problem.